Experiences are what people love most about travel. With Viator, you can browse and book tours and activities so incredible you'll want to tell your friends. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Viator has experiences in over 190 countries. There's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Viator lets you keep things flexible. Use Reserve Now and Pay Later to secure the activities you don't want to miss without being locked in. Whether you want to take a backstage tour of the Grand Old Opry, a Miami Bimini Bahamas day trip by ferry, or a private guided tour of the Grand Canyon, Viator is for you. Download the Viator app now and use Viator 10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin. Uh, many thanks to Ed Rouse for covering for me last week, but I am joined, as always, by Matt Sells. He is our FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. Matt, how you doing? How did you enjoy the first race of the 2023 playoffs for the Cup Series? I thought that was a great Darlington race. I thought it was fantastic. Tire wear definitely played a role um, in that race. We saw a bunch of different grooves working. Um, it was not just a runaway, like some folks, uh, thought you could actually pass, which is pretty nice. And the winner of the race was in the playoffs, unlike last year, where the first four <laughs> races of the playoffs were won by drivers. Not yeah, in the 2022 was so weird with all the different race winners. And then the playoffs started with four different winners that weren't even in the playoffs. It was, it was, it was such an odd season for the next gen car. It, it was so, you know, the, the playoffs got off to a, uh, rip roar and start i thought it was a pretty good pretty good race now we turn our attention to a track that had just a phenomenal race earlier this year um one of the best races in recent memory to be to be honest that can i think you can make that argument pretty much every race at kansas since they introduced the next gen car like this car races really well you can you can pass uh you can get multiple leaders uh, the Toyotas have dominated. They've won all three series or all three races at Kansas since they introduced the next gen car. Uh, very excited for this race this weekend. It just kind of sucks that it falls on week one of NFL Sunday. It does, and um, you know we saw some we saw some drivers in attendance at the Chiefs Lions game, uh, or, you know, on Thursday because mm-hmm. he was definitely there cheering on his uh, home state Lions. So. It's pretty – I don't know if they timed it, but it, it works pretty well that you have the start of NFL about, uh, I don't know, 15 miles down the road from one of the great NASCAR tracks in the playoffs there. So we'll see. But you want to know something interesting? This is the first time since Memorial Day weekend that the Cup Series is on a one-and-a-half-mile track. I, uh, I did catch that. Because as I was doing, I was doing some early work and I was even when I was working on the Xfinity playbook, I'm like, I was looking at the tracks they've run this year and I'm like, there just aren't that many like tracks that the Xfinity series has run that correlate to Kansas. And it's like they have Vegas 
they yep. have Charlotte, and then pretty much they run a ton of road courses and short flat tracks. Um, so I can see why AJ Allmendinger probably wants to go back to that series. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of crazy that like we like you know these cookie cutter intermediates are supposed to be like the bread and butter of NASCAR, or, they, or at least they were right. for most of NASCAR scheduling in previous years. And and it's kind of wild that it's been over three months since we've been to yeah. You have to go back to the Coke Six Hundred for the last time. Now, does that mean that we haven't been on an intermediate? No, I mean I think technically you could consider Michigan to be a two mile intermediate, right? Nashville and is an intermediate it's not one and a half miles yeah. uh nashville not quite one and a half miles um so you have some that are close but a true one and a half mile track hasn't been released in the cup series since memorial day weekend is the capstone to um you know the greatest day in racing so that was that was interesting to me but there are tracks that we can you know, compare. I know some sites are telling you, well, you can only really compare Charlotte and Texas and Kansas and Vegas together. I don't think so. I think Michigan <clears throat> races like Kansas. Um, I think you can take a little bit from Homestead because it's a multi-groove track. Yeah. Um, I think you can take a little bit from Nashville because Kansas is a little bit flatter of a mile and a half than some others are. So I, I think we can get a little bit interesting with our comps this week okay so let's talk practice and qualifying they happened uh, early saturday afternoon two cars uh i believe they both had the same issue as kyle bush ty gibbs yeah uh, both had tires go down they both tagged the wall gibbs is definitely going to a backup car right. he will start at the rear kyle bush is going to start pretty far back anyway he's not going to a backup car i think they that tells me that they loved the speed that they had in the initial car, and they don't want to risk losing Well, they should. That, that car was fast before. Right. He... So it was Austin Dillon. So Richard Childress Racing did something to set these cars up pretty well. Right. Um, so, yeah, Kyle Busch will start 35th. Ty Gibbs will start 36th. It is a little – and Kyle Busch kind of alluded to it in his post-crash interview. He was like, well, we have their data, and you had two different manufacturers using that data – referring to Goodyear and have tires go down. So there's some questions as to whether or not the floor for the PSI is too low right now that Goodyear told them, because it's not two JGR cars that went down. Right. It's an RCR car and a JGR car. So a Toyota and a Chevy, which is a little disconcerting. Uh, Kyle Busch did not take a qualifying lap. So he will start 35th and be counted as 35th. Now, do we want to turn our attention to William Byron, who had a part break on his car uh, in the right front suspension, if I believe. It's a bolt that I guess goes to the upper control arm, I think is what they were saying. Um, that appeared to break during practice, and he wasn't sure if they were going to fix it in time to take a qualifying lap. They did. He took qualifying laps. He will start ninth. Then there was a debate as to whether that counted as an unapproved adjustment, which is huge for us because if it counts as an unapproved adjustment, he would have to drop to the rear at the start of the race, but still be scored from P9. Yeah. However, thank you, NASCAR, for not counting it as an unapproved adjustment and counting it as fixing a part that broke and not, not tweaking the car. So he gets to start ninth and be scored from ninth and not have to drop to the rear. So... 
The and those Hendrick cards are quite sporty. What? The Hendrick cards are pretty sporty this week, too. Like, Larson's yeah. on the front row. Chase Elliott qualified well. And Byron's also in the top ten. Yeah, I don't really know. Bowman. I don't know what's wrong with Bowman. His back. His back right. is still wrong with Alex Bowman. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> now, the downside to that is I think his 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 DFS ownership just went uh, – Byron, that is, went through the roof now. For sure. Because he will start ninth and be scored that way as opposed to be scoring ninth but start 36th and have to get back to ninth to get you positive PD. Now he gets to start ninth, and if he moves up to eighth off off the jump, you're getting positive PD. So things are it, – it was a weird qualifying session, to be honest, for DFS. Like, I, I Well, don't... especially because in the regular session, Ross Chastain laid down such a great qualifying lap. It was and like he, the second faster than anybody. It was insane. It, it was wild. And so he gets into the top 10, then doesn't lay down as good of a lap in, in like the final round of qualifying, but he still gets to start top 10. And so I don't really right. know what to make of that. But then you chimed in in the NASCAR DFS Discord and you said of all the mile and a half intermediate tracks that they've run in the next gen car, Ross Chastain is the only driver to, go, to complete every lap. And so now I have yeah. the internal struggle of trying to decide, do I want to play Ross Chastain on Sunday or do I want to leave Ross Chastain out of my player pool, which is what I've done the last couple months since he won in Nashville and it's done okay. Right. So to be clear, that stat is for nine races. It's the mile and a half right. intermediate. So we're not talking about Darlington or Nashville or Michigan or if you want to count home, you know, um, you're talking Vegas, Auto Texas, Club. Charlotte, Kansas, and uh, Homestead. Okay, is also a mile and a half intermediate. So, if you count those, he's completed every lap, and he's the only one to finish on the lead lap and complete every lap in all nine races. Which is interesting, given his history of you know causing mayhem on the track. Yeah. However, right. doesn't necessarily mean he's finished better than he's started in every one of those he's just racing at the end so i guess it helps more for fandle uh, to get those tenths of points added to your score well let's uh dive into uh sunday's race uh we have five drivers that are priced at ten thousand dollars or above we have denny hamlin the car looked fine he just didn't make the final round of qualifying he's eleven thousand dollars that's fine uh, in starting top 10 in May when he won it anyway. So yeah. So he starts P14. Martin Truex Jr. is 10,700. Looked pretty good in the long run. He is P3. Kyle Larson, 10,500. Also looked good in the long run. And he's coming off his first career cup series win at Darlington. William Byron, who we've touched on is 10-2. He starts P9. And Christopher Bell is back on the pole for the second straight week. Didn't really get to take advantage of that a uh, shiny new pit crew that he had last week at Darlington. He started on the pole for that race as well. Finished 23rd, but did leave 40 laps. Uh, are we just expecting him to, I guess, turn it around and have a much better week this week? Do you think he can lead the entire first stage? That's an excellent question. By the way, I don't know if you can hear the background thudding happening. My neighbor is bumping music to his boat in his driveway, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my parent, my neighbors are moving out above me. So Yeah, I am not at a rave. Uh, although my neighbor apparently thinks he is. Um, I don't know. This is an interesting... This is an interesting pricing scheme, the way that this broke out. Um, if DK knew what they were doing, then they're geniuses. 
if they just lucked into it, well, then good for them. I don't know if Bell leads the whole first stage. I would – with uh, his teammate starting behind him and Larson starting next to him, I don't think he does either. I don't know if he can manage tires in the long run as well as the other two. Also, Reddick was fast on the long run too, and he's starting fifth. <clears throat> right. So he's got some real quick cars on the long run that's behind him, and Bell has never been a guy to be a front runner. Like, if he's on the pole in his career, he usually doesn't do all that great in the race. Does it mean we're avoiding him for the – no, I think in GPPs you play him. I think in cash you avoid him. Um, same thing as a normal bull sitter on an intermediate track. But I, I think the way that this qualifying wound up is setting up to be very interesting for how to build lineups. Because I'm either going to write up like eight dudes in the playbook or I'm writing up everybody in the playbook. I haven't fully figured it out yet. Because <laughs> like... It, <clears throat> I don't know. If you can make a case for Seabell, you can make a case for Larson, Truex, Reddick, uh, Chastain, theoretically. Right? There's the top six. Okay. I don't know how we're splitting hairs between these guys this week. That's fair. Um, do you want to just, I guess, cast a wide net and just give a blanket discussion on the Fords? Because they looked terrible in practice and qualifying. They only have one driver starting in the top 10. That's Michael McDowell. I'm kind of operating. By the way, it would not have been my pick for the Fords to (laughs) starting. It probably could have been Kevin Harvick. And honestly, Chase Briscoe didn't have a terrible speed in practice, although he didn't really – I don't think he made a 15-lap run. Um, But I probably – Almost Logano, I guess. He's starting 11th. But, like, they kind of look mid. Yeah, they didn't look very good, which is surprising because they were pretty good. They had great speed in practice and qualifying last week at Darlington. Yes. Yes, they did. Um, now I would be careful because Darlington eats tires and Kansas yeah. eats substantially less tires um, than that. But I am a little surprised at Ryan Blaney starting 17th. This is a track uh, he's been really quick at previously, and he right. flat out dominated the Coke 600 at a fairly comparable Charlotte race. So I am a bit surprised to see him starting 17th. I think there's a decent amount of people that will wind up playing him especially in that 8k range because i think he's the one you can make the best argument for aside from chase elliott but blaney was also he was slow in practice slow in practice like i am waffling between putting him in the playbook to be honest i've had him in i don't blame you i've had him in i've taken him out like because part of me is like well he wanted charlotte and nobody expected that and then part of me is like, yeah, but they've had bad speed this week. So, like, and it's Ryan Blaney. He always finds ways to screw stuff up. Sorry, Rouse, but, like, that's, that's true. <laughs> uh, would you rather go to any of the RFK guys? Busher is priced at 8,600 starting P13. Kozlowski is 8,300. Uh, Blaney is sandwiched right between them. Would you feel better about those two Ford drivers? It's kind of interesting because we got a Penske sandwich and an RFK sandwich, right? Because you got Lagano, <clears throat> then Busher, then Blaney, then Kez. Oh, yeah. Two really? Penskes, and then you got <laughs> two RFK. I feel better about the RFK team. Like, they're just consistently quick. Yeah, Busher, we live in a day and age where Chris Busher now has three wins in one season. Right. He's also, I think, if we were still using the old point system, I think he's third or fourth in points. 
Cam's good year for points him. and Kez's fourth and point, something like that. Like they've been consistent all year. Um, I'm fine. I don't know which one to tell you to play because I feel like the cars are so identical. Every time I think Kez has the upper hand, that Busher just shows up, and I don't know if they're giving slightly more to Busher because he's higher in the in the points. But th- those cars are good. Those that might be my standout Ford team. I don't think it's any. I I don't think it's. What am I trying to say? They're clearly the best Ford team in the garage, <laughs> and I don't think that there's really an issue with with that argument. That they're. Go ahead. That they're just the the best one. I mean, Penske's not been good most of the year. SHR, you can count on Kevin Harvick, and that's it. Yeah. Fair. Uh, I do feel bad because we did kind of gloss over like the elephant in the room, and that is Kyle Busch at 9,600. He starts P35. We then have Ty Gibbs at 7,600. He starts P36. We mentioned at the top of the show that Bush and Gibbs had issues in in practice. Uh, are you just plugging these guys into your cash game lineups, kind of setting it and forgetting it, eating the chalk, yep. and then – all right, and, and are you okay playing them in tournaments, or would you rather – leverage them because Gibbs had a very, very fast car prior to the tire going down and getting into the wall, as did Bush. But Bush is at least going to try and fix his car. And Gibbs is going to a backup. Gibbs going to a backup. You don't really care. He starts dead last. Can't get you negative points. You just, okay, rolling him out. I mean, the backups nowadays are the same as the primaries, just unwrapped, right? And it's not like it's a backup from maybe Colleague or... Right, it's a JGR It's a JGR backup. You know, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I think in a cash game, you're plugging in Kyle Busch and Ty Gibbs, and you're having fun with a lot of leftover salary from from there on out. Um, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't play them in cash. Now, the the tournament angle is an interesting one. I'm higher on Ty Gibbs in tournaments than Kyle Busch. I think you leverage Kyle Bush. Well, I mean, he saves you two grand as well. Right. And Bush has been on a very uh, unlucky streak. Just hasn't had a good run since, I guess, his last win. It also concerns me that they're trying to fix that. Like, you're not going to take a qualifying run. So, why try to fix the car? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. If he did some. I'm sure they looked it over, right? But let's say he bends something that makes the car handle a little differently and then it's more likely to break rather than getting a brand new untouched backup out. I I don't know. I'm more comfortable with Gibbs in tournaments than Kyle Busch in tournaments. I'm probably with you there. Uh, Alex Bowman, 7,800 P23. What are we doing? I don't know what Uh, he's doing. I can get, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that most people will just see the name recognition. They'll see the price tag and they'll just plug him in. I don't really know if I want to go that route. I'd rather, I guess, avoid that chalk and maybe, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'd rather just go to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. starting P16. Yep. Or Eric Jones. I don't know. Both of whom are in the playbook. What? Shocker. Good guess by me. Um, let's dip into the value tier. Um, it's kind of a hard range to read. I did mention that I like 
Chase Briscoe a little bit. And I know we did say that the forwards are terrible. They all look pretty slow in practice. Briscoe, I think in his five and 10 lap averages was top 15 in speed. Uh, and he's only 6,600 and he starts P26. So when a guy starts P26 and the practice speeds were telling me that he had arguably a top 15 car, I'm inclined to play him. Uh, and he's also a guy who has bad luck as well. And I don't know if he's necessarily a great tire manager. He did have some good finishes and, and a win in the Xfinity series at a track like Darlington. Uh, but I think that I'll go to Briscoe this week. Um, I kind of like the value. I do too. By the way, in a cash game lineup, I just plugged in Kyle Busch and Ty Gibbs, and then I went with Larson. And then you get some fun choices. I went with Suarez, LaJoy, and Chase Elliott. It's not bad. Eleven hundred. I have a similar lineup for that uh, DraftKings Survivor contest. Uh, I went with Bush and Gibbs, just ate the truck, because that contest is essentially finishing the top half every week and you move on. So it's a cash game. And so right. I went, so I currently have, yeah, yeah, I currently have Bush and Gibbs, but then I went with two dominators with Larson and Truex, just because they both had, I liked the long run speed that they showcased in practice. Yep. And then I went Briscoe and Ty Dillon, who I wanted to get to and, and talk about because he starts outside the top 30. And I can't believe we're going to dedicate time to Ty Dillon on this podcast. Uh, but he starts outside the top 30. He's the cheapest driver in the field. And it was discovered on Twitter earlier this week when a fan was doing a tour of Richard Childress Racing's uh, facility that they've been – that Ty, Ty Dillon's car was just sitting there in the garage and they had the hood up and they were working on it. And it became kind of public knowledge that Ty Dillon's car has been set up by RCR the last few weeks. Interesting. Did you see that? I did not. I missed it. But then again, I've been like – but it makes sense because he's Richard Childress's grandson. I mean, it would be weird if, like, one of them was an RCR car and the other one, what, like, one grandson got a perfectly spec RCR car and the other one had to go be off scraps. Like, so I guess that's good news. Do we think that he finds speed? I don't do we want to talk about last week when he put up 24 points because he had 30 fastest laps at Darlington? Yeah, I also didn't watch last week's race. Uh, I had a previous commitment, but that is wild. Um, I think he made the optimal lineup because of those 30 fastest laps. Yes. Was that just a thing where he got way off cycle? and had... He got off cycle and okay. got new tires and just, <clears throat> just made fast laps. Because uh, he started 26, finished 29th, and put up 30 fastest laps. So he made optimal going backwards. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> Which doesn't happen very often. But, like, it's also back-to-back -back really good weeks. He's actually had sneaky good – like, he ran well at Michigan. He had a good road course. Wasn't he Indiana. top 20 in Michigan? Yes. Yeah. Good for him. So you know what you're turning my you're turning my outlook around. I will add <laughs> there's another guy in that right up. Well, because even at that price range where he's yeah. he's the only driver that's under 5k, and whenever I see a driver that's under 5k that starts outside the top 30, I'm not even asking them to hit 5x value and get 25 points. I'm like, if they can finish 28th, and I have the two or three guys that are nailing the dominator points, correct? I can hit the optimal lineup, and he could just be in there getting me 15 to 18 points, and I'll be happy with it. Ooh, I get Reddick. I get Reddick and Larson and Suarez and Ty Dillon and Gibbs and Bush. It's a nice build. I'll take it. 
but as we explore this value tier a little bit more, are there any other drivers that kind of stick out to you? Um, I, I want to believe in Justin Haley, uh, 5,800. He starts P30. I think it's like a, he has a top 25 car. I just don't know if there's much of a ceiling there. I also don't know if I really want to pay 5,800 for Justin Haley. He pro- should probably be more like 5,200, 5,300. Probably. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I like the Todd father. Hard not to like him at that price. He's got some PD. I think LaJoy is still starting in a spot where we can play him, even though he's starting 24th. He's run pretty well at mile and a half in intermediates. Of and plus, if you think about it, like this multi-group track, let's assume that they're, that tires are not an issue tomorrow, even though they very well could be. Um, starting P24 isn't necessarily a bad thing if there are longer green flag runs, because that probably, and as long as he stays clean, it probably keeps him on the lead lap longer. Correct. Um, I am. I don't know what to do with Carson Carson Hosevar. What car is he in? Uh, the legacy car. Yeah, but it looked reasonably quick at practice, and he did basically hold his spot at Darlington. <clears throat> he started fifteenth, finished seventeenth. I think you could probably expect him to do arguably the same thing in this race where, and what I mean by that is he's probably finishing within two spots of where he starts. So he can either finish 19th and get 26 fantasy points or he finishes 23rd and gets you 17 fantasy points. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't thought about putting him in the playbook yet because I don't know where the value upside is. Yeah. Because they jump, I mean, he was fifty seven hundred last week, and now he's sixty four hundred. That seems like a pretty decent jump uh, for a guy who did okay last week. I mean, he didn't even hit value last week. That's just a solid. He didn't kill you, but he also didn't <laughs> add value. Um, so I don't know. It's just an interesting name to look at in that range. But I don't. Austin Dillon is interesting starting eighth, too. <clears throat> he is because no one's going to really want to play him. Right. Um, and it really boils down to, do you think he can finish top 10? And of course he can. Um, but he's so cheap. What is he, 6,800? 6,800. If he was to just hold his spot and finish where he starts, that's 36 points and that's paying off his price tag right and if he can just somehow finish sixth that's 40 who knows maybe you can get a couple fastest last if he gets on the right cycle really though like as long as he finishes top 10 i'd be fine with it right um and he could do that he's done it a couple times this year but i mean let's put it this way i'd rather play austin Dillon than mcdowell i probably would too um i have less faith in mcdowell's equipment correct which i think you would have yeah Correct. I, I just don't see he's been spending way too much time going backwards of late. I mean, Daytona, he moved up, but he started 39th, so there was nowhere for him to go but up, right? He won the road course, okay, but he's a road racer. Yeah. If we go and look at more standard races, started ninth and moved back to 32nd last week at Darlington. Not a great day. 
moved back one spot at Michigan, moved back at the Cookout 400, moved backwards at the High Point 400, which was Pocono. You know, it, it just hasn't been a great run. Even at Charlotte, it's not like he did very much. So I, I just don't trust this equipment starting seventh. And like I said, there's no way I would have guessed that McDowell would have been the highest qualifying forward coming into this weekend. Uh, we have a few minutes left. Do you have any uh, tips or strategies for constructing lineups? Assuming, you know, there are enough laps in this race to just go and get two to three dominators in your lineup. Yeah. I would say we're looking at a two dominator build. I feel like the race is, is kind of tent, you know, trending that way. Um, you may have a few guys that are going to lead 20 or so laps, but I think there's really only two that are going to like really um, lead enough to make a huge difference in your lineups. Kansas is a track where you can drive anywhere, move up pretty well. So track position is not, um, we're not really a slave to track position here. Like we are at say Vegas or Darlington last week. Um, The May race was bonkers. It was, it had everything. It had some wrecks. It had a bunch of passes for the lead under green flags. It had pit strategy. Um, It was phenomenal. There was passing up and down the field, basically the whole race. So you can go a lot of places with these builds this week. I feel like this is one of the more open build weeks that we've had based on how the pricing worked out and how qualifying worked out. I mean, you heard there's five guys above 10 K and three of them are starting in the top, you know, top three. And all of them have have a case to lead laps. Byron's got a shot to lead laps here starting ninth. He could dominate. Um, Denny Hamlin won this race. He's starting 14th. He won it in May, and he started a little basically right about there. So you can – it's a pretty wide open week, which is why I'm unsure of exactly who's in the playbook right now. And it's 530 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Well, Matt, we will let you uh, get away and finish the NASCAR DFS playbook for the Hollywood Casino 400. Uh, Thank you so much for your time, as always, and best of luck to you for Kansas and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Experiences are what people love most about travel. With Viator, you can browse and book tours and activities so incredible you'll want to tell your friends. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Viator has experiences in over 190 countries. There's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Viator lets you keep things flexible. Use Reserve Now and Pay Later to secure the activities you don't want to miss without being locked in. Whether you want to take a backstage tour of the Grand Old Opry, a Miami Bimini Bahamas day trip by ferry, or a private guided tour of the Grand Canyon, Viator is for you. Download the Viator app now and use Viator 10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.